As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles as we continue our study through this amazing book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, we've made our way to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, looking at the power of God in the midst of our weakness. Today, we'll look at the power of purity, uh, purity in Christ Jesus. Hey, we live in a society that, that wants instant results, do we not? Uh, we live in a society that, that wants it all now, kind of a, a microwave kind of society. Uh, we want all of life that we can get immediately without a whole lot of hassle, uh, without a whole lot of cost, without a whole lot of struggle. Uh, that's where we live. I mean, listen, we live in a society that wants to sell us things that tell us that we could lose weight while we sleep. It's kind of I'm looking for. Don't worry about what you eat or exercise. Just, just go to sleep and lose weight. That's the kind of society that wants it instantaneously. We want to have investments that are going to provide dividends in the midst of a recession. We don't care what's happening. Just, you know, we want it now. Uh, uh, we want to have kids without any hiccups. Uh, kids that won't really provide any hassle. They'll just be great, easy, no, no friction for the family. Uh, simply put, we're a society that really does want to have the best life now. The best life immediately. It seems to be a, a universal desire with all of humankind. We seem to be a, a culture and a people, aren't we, that are very susceptible uh, to messages, advertising, or preachers who will offer us just that, the best life now. We seem to be uh, prone to folks who will come and say, hey, hey, good news. The uh, good news is this, is that you can have it all, have it all now. They usually say there's even more good news. You deserve it all now. Uh, and then they'll say, uh, all you have to do is uh, these three simple steps or follow this book or, or whatever, live their lifestyle, their plan, and we could have that best life now kind of life. How is it with you? Does that resonate? That's something you're longing for? Uh, this message was clearly gaining traction in the church at Corinth. What they were longing for was that, that best life now. Uh, Paul had gone in by the call of God into this area with amazing good news of a God who is, of a Son who rescues and forgives, a Holy Spirit that fills. But enrolled to town some new teachers uh, called so-called super apostles. They were amazing oratory skills. And they talked about a different kind of gospel than Paul taught about. They taught about a, a different kind of Jesus. They preached a different, a cleaner Jesus, a, a more Madison Avenue kind of Jesus than this meek and suffering servant that, that Paul seemed to preach. And these, these preachers, they were basically saying that what you could have, church at Corinth, what you could have, church at Orangewood, what you could have, everyone sitting here, is really the best life right now. And that message was selling. You see, there seemed to be a disconnect at the church of Corinth, that there seems to be a disconnect here in America as well. The disconnect between the reality of what Jesus promised, the reality of what the gospel said that we were going to have, 
a man who says we're going to have life and life abundantly, there was a disconnect between the reality of what they thought they heard and bought onto and the reality of their own lives. There was still brokenness. There was still tragedy. There were still tears. There was still divorce. There were still prodigals. There was still poverty. There were still sins that they just couldn't get rid of, it seemed like. And so they looked for a new Jesus. They were looking for a new gospel. They're looking for a new story because these super apostles that Paul will actually say are false apostles came to town and said, listen, here's the reality. You could have the best life now. Just change Jesus a little bit. Just understand the power a little of the spirit a little differently. Just change this gospel thing and you can have it all right now. You see, the problem is, is they really didn't want to walk by faith. The problem is, is the good news of Christ Jesus that they had embraced was causing them to walk by faith, not by sight. And listen, not even the sight of their own expectations. There was a disconnect. They wanted that best life now. Well, this is the message that the super apostles or the false apostles were preaching. And it came with a different gospel. You see, they couldn't take the reality in which they lived in and the gospel in which they heard and make it work. So they had to change Jesus. They had to change the spirit. They had to change the whole gospel. But by doing so, but by doing so, by changing who Jesus truly, really is and what he truly has done and the true good news of Jesus Christ, by changing it, even ever so slightly, what they were doing is they were bringing impurity into the church at Corinth. And into this church as well. They were bringing confusion. Who really is Jesus? And what really has he done? And and what is the best life? And what is it now that I should have? So Paul, which he always does, defending truth and love. Paul, standing up and boasting in nothing but Christ and Christ crucified, says that we need to do three things. And you can follow along in your bulletin as we go through these things. He says we got to be seeking the purity of the church. Seek the purity of the church, and the way you do that is you protect the purity of the gospel, the purity of the good news that God has given us in Christ Jesus. And don't forget to examine the purity of the preacher. So with that background of what was happening, let's turn to God's word. 2 Corinthians 11, we'll find that these super apostles have come to town preaching a different message, preaching the best life now in Paul's response. Let's be mindful we're reading God's holy and errant word. Whether it's on the words of the screen or those before you, we can trust them, especially in the original. You'll see it listed in your bulletin as well. Paul writes, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. And the foolishness he's talking about is his, his boasting. Last week he talked about we should boast in nothing but Christ alone. And this passage sounds a little bit like Paul's tooting his own horn. But if we look closely, we'll see that really all he's boasting about still is Jesus. He says, please bear with me, for I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. 
I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. And the, the Greek there is, is saying that basically that the church is the betrothed or engaged bride to Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve, by the way, the first bride for God, was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you've received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you have believed. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a preach, as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? Basically, Paul was there and, and he didn't take any contributions from this church. I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. And when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia, and if you've been with us, you remember the churches in Macedonia were exceedingly poor. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all I, that I needed. I've never been a burden to you, and I never will be. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you? God knows that I do. But I'll continue doing what I've always done. This will undercut those who are looking uh, for an opportunity to boast about their work. It's just like ours. These people, they're false apostles. They're deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get their punishment, their wicked deeds deserve. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we ask that you would come and be with us. Be with us in such a powerful way and that you would speak through such a broken sinner as I am. That we today could hear from the true and living Jesus. Father, would you come with such power through the preaching of your word that you would shine your truth into our minds. That we would be able to understand what is this true gospel that you are calling us to? Father, that you would lovingly, as a father would, wrap your hands around our hearts, our, our stony hearts of still unbelief in sin. And that God, that you would lovingly break them with the good news, the truth of what your son Jesus has done for sinners like us. Would you overwhelm us with your presence and your love and your gospel so that today our hearts will beat for you? God, would you come and be with us in such a way that, that when we leave here, that we would be mindful that we're yours and that you're calling us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And thank you for a gospel that's so grace-filled is when we fall, you pick us up and continue to love us. Father, may we see Jesus and Jesus alone. Truly, may the words of my heart and the meditation of my heart, the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first thing we're going to see is the uh, seeking of the purity of the church. That Paul is saying that I have, I have a, a, a jealousy, a zeal for the purity of the church. It's interesting if you've been following along with the reading that we've assigned to you all as a church together. Uh, just yesterday we read in John 2 about Jesus who also had a zeal, a passion for the purity of the church or the temple. And we may want to say, well, why? Why is God, why is Paul or Jesus so, so passionate about the purity of the church or the temple? Because this is a place that, that God has assigned where, where God and man are to live together in harmony. That, that we are the place to be where God's reign and rule is seen clearly. That God is in our midst and because of that reality, we're, we're to be an example to the whole world that, that Christ's kingdom has come. That we are the ones that are living, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That as our great God is pure, there's a call for purity as well. You know, when, when Paul writes, we read scripture, we hear things like keep the church pure. Doesn't it often seem like that's just so far out there? What does that mean? Well, it means we have to understand what the church is, who the church is. You see, the church really isn't a what. The church is a who. The church is those that God has called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church are those that God has set a particular love upon and that his son has come and rescued. So when scripture says that we are to keep the church pure, guess who he's talking about? Us, those by God's grace who know and love Jesus. We are the church. We are the place where God dwells in a unique way to tell His story. And He's calling us to maintain a purity and zeal because of our relationship with Him and who He is. Yesterday, Zach Van Dyke and I had the privilege of officiating uh, his sister Hallie's wedding. I love doing weddings. They sure beat funerals for the most part. They really do. But it's amazing because at weddings, you know, I, I have the best view of everyone. I mean, I, I see it all. And here comes the bride, and, and I've told you, I think in the past, that I just love looking at the groom and seeing his face when the bride appears. Beautiful. And what God has provided for this groom and this bride. And, and again, I'm standing as close as you can stand to a picture that God wants to give us. Listen, of who we are in Christ Jesus. And it's amazing. Because there is Hallie stood, beautiful, in this white wedding gown. Do you know who she represents? You and me as the church in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. I mean, why the white robe? Why, why the white dress? It's to signify purity. It's to signify loyalty to your groom. And that's really church. This is 
who we are to be. This is who we are to be, and this is who we are in Christ, in his eyes, and into the society. The beautiful bride of Christ. Does anybody want to chuckle? We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. And we're beautiful. Someone snookered God, I'm telling you what. He's going to look at us and say, wow, beautiful, radiant mind. Whoo, fantastic. He's whistling over us, singing, skipping, happy. In Christ Jesus, it's true. My brothers and sisters, that's who we are. In Christ, it's true. It's true. We're beautiful in his sight. And only in Christ. Huh. Apart from him, rags, filth, depravity, debauchery, deformity. In Christ Jesus, beauty, righteousness, wholeness, holiness. Listen, don't, 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 don't miss this picture of who you are in Christ. Don't miss this. You're the church. Make, the, make that just saying to Jesus. And because we are the church, he's calling us to purity. But listen, here's, here's something so beautiful that Paul tells us that we can't miss. I think the church has missed this for the most part. He says that we are the church and therefore maintain purity. But here's what he says. We are the betrothed church of Christ Jesus. We are the engaged church of Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying when he says that we are the engaged betrothed church? It says this, that the best life is not now. When he tells us we're the engaged church to Christ, it says that there's a wedding feast that's still to come. Our king hasn't come back yet. I mean, one day we will see him. We will be like him when we see him face to face. But when it tells us that we are the betrothed church, it really is reminding us that the best life is still yet to come. Do we get it? So what do we have in Christ Jesus? Didn't he come to give us life and life abundantly? Yes, we have that now. Didn't he come to separate our sins as far as the east is from the west? He did it on the cross. Didn't he come to conquer his and our greatest enemies through the resurrection? He did it. Life now reigns. We have it now today, but not fully. You see, my brothers and sisters, if we are the church, we are the engaged church we are not yet the fully married church. And you see, I think what was happening in Corinth was so often happens here at Orangewood in North America. They didn't fully understand what it meant to be the betrothed, not fully married church. You see, and basically what Paul is reminding us is, yes, life now, but best life to come. It's not possible to have that all yet. We still have tears, don't we? We still have empty seats. We still have prodigal children. We still have difficult marriages. We still have junk. We still have trials. I mean, listen, Jesus came as the man of sorrows. The only begotten son came as the, uh, as the man of sorrows. And we, as the adopted sons and daughters, don't you think for a moment... That, that we are going to be entitled to a life here on earth that Jesus didn't experience. He says, all of you who want to live a godly life, here's good news, you're going to be persecuted. Endless life, you're going to have trials and temptations. In this life, you will have sorrows. But rejoice, I've overcome this life. Rejoice, I've overcome the world. Rejoice, I am Emmanuel now with you. Rejoice, 
I'm preparing a place for you. There's more to come. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. You see, the good news of this gospel story, it's such good news, but it hasn't reached its consummation yet. We're not there yet. There's more good stuff to come. And yet I think that we are a society and a church like Corinth who was so susceptible to health, wealth, and prosperity preachers of our day that will tell us the super apostles that Paul says are false apostles that we can obtain it now. Auditoriums are filled up with folks who are dying to know why can't I have that best life now? My brothers and sisters, we are the betrothed bride of Christ now. So what does that mean for us? It means that we are to maintain purity while we wait for our wedding day. Back in Paul's day, in Paul's society, it was a father who often arranged the marriage for his daughter. Young ladies, let me talk to you for a minute. How would you like that? How would you like your papa bear arranging and picking your husband for you, huh? Wouldn't that be just joy, just one, just like dad? Come on. Did someone say, amen, I don't live then? But anyway, all right, I thought I had a better response than that. But Paul was saying as a father of an engagement that he was called to do with the church at Corinth, that there's an engagement going on. And now, listen, maintain purity. Dads, let me ask you a question. Your daughters get engaged. It's a big day. By the way, David Van Dyke yesterday, when it was all said and done, walked down the aisle. He's going, woohoo! I've never seen David Van Dyke that animated ever. I'm thinking, that guy's got a lot of bills to pay, and he's that excited. That's crazy. How would you like it, dads, if, if, your, da- if your daughters got engaged, and they said, you know what? I'm engaged to be married. I think it's a good time for me to play the field a little bit. I think it's a good time for me to just go experience life and other lovers and experience what other people have to offer. And and let me make sure I'm making the right decision. I'm engaged, but let, let me just go and just make sure this is what I really want. I mean, seriously, what dad would let their daughter go and say, you know what, I'm just gonna go mess around with other guys until that wedding day to make sure that this is really the one I want. I mean, you just say, come on. You'd wanna say, shake them, say, get with it. You're engaged. You've promised to another. Stay pure. I mean, the greatest gift you could give your husband is purity. Don't forget that. Young people, don't forget that. The greatest gift you could give your spouse, purity. And and God is going to call us his bride, the bride of Christ. And the greatest gift we could give the Father when the Son returns is purity. And heaven forbid that we would be a church that decides, let's go chase after other lovers. Let's go chase after other gods. Let's go chase after those who really can maybe give us the best life now. And that's why Paul's so passionate, saying purity are you kidding me? You're going to chase after the world? You're betrothed to Christ. Keep yourself pure. Purity comes. We've got to have three things when it comes to keeping the church pure. Uh, we got to have, uh, make sure we have purity and right thinking, right doing, and a right heart. Orthodoxy is, is right doctrine, right thinking. Orthopraxy is really it's right doing, but with the right heart. Here's the bottom line. We've preached this in the last couple of weeks. God says to us, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ in this letter. Be in my word. 
I read it in the early service, so I'm not going to read it this time. It's Ephesians 4, 1 through 15. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 15, it tells us that we are to walk in obedience to God. It tells us that, that we don't want to be those people that are blown around by every whim of, hey, go this way, go that way. You want the best life? It's over here. Follow this, follow that. That God has called us to himself in Christ Jesus. He wants us to be grounded and rooted in the gospel of Christ Jesus and his word. To know what God's word says and who he is. To live our lives imitating our great savior Jesus and following him. What a grace-filled God he is. But to be pure. To think rightly about who God is and what he's done. To act rightly as God's people, and to love rightly for those who have been amazed by God's grace and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. How do we keep the purity of the church? By protecting the purity of the gospel. That's the second thing. By protecting the purity of the gospel, maintaining the purity of who Jesus is, who Jesus was, and listen, who Jesus always will be. What was happening in the church of Corinth is very, very dangerous. And it's very, very dangerous because it happens here too. They wanted to clean up Jesus, a more marketable Jesus. That crossing was a stumbling block to many. I mean, it was bloody and gory and it wasn't very marketable. But the reality is this, is Jesus came as a man of sorrows. The reality is, is that God's son put on flesh and became our sin. The reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's so ugly and messy because our sin is so ugly and messy and he embraced all of it so his beauty could be put on us. Just this week, uh, a Harvard professor came out and said that she's found a document. The document's about this big. An ancient document has writing on it that says that Jesus talks about his wife and that we now have a little bit of evidence that says that Jesus was married to Mary, and that's what's referred to. I mean, it's a little document this big that, that, that Harvard's going to say, yeah, we see, we got it now. I mean, forget the thousands of pieces of Scripture that we have that tell us the truth. It's just one little deal. Why? You see, in our flesh, we long to make our own Jesus. In our flesh, we long to make our own gods. Isn't it true? We want a God in our own image. We want a God who responds to us. We want a Jesus who will be uh, a rule and reign for us. But the reality is, is there is a God who is. And his only begotten son, Jesus, Scripture says, he was, he is, and he forever will be the same. Our God is an immutable God, which means our God is an unchanging God. He doesn't change. There's no shadow of changing with him. This is really good news because we can trust his promises, trust his work. We have no authority or ability to ever change the gospel of Jesus Christ by changing who God's son is is, do you know him? Do you love him? We don't change him. We bow to him. Keep the purity of the gospel by keeping the purity of who Jesus is. And the second thing about keeping the purity of the gospel is keeping pure of the spirit. He said that there's a new spirit here. You see, the spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, this this power of God for salvation, the power of God is so amazing in the gospel and so amazing in the spirit. Are you ready for this? It takes dead people 
dead people in their sins and transgressions and makes them alive in Christ Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit in the gospel is so amazing. It takes those who are filled with wrath from God because of their sin and makes them children in the light. It's amazing, this power of God to make all things new. It's amazing what God has done through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you see, listen, the power of the Holy Spirit in us does not negate all of the issues in the world. We got to get this because the world will say there's something wrong with your Holy Spirit that you still are struggling. There's something wrong with the Spirit that you still have a wrestle. You must not really be anointed by the Spirit or you haven't had the second baptism of the Spirit or you haven't experienced what the Spirit really can do. You see, when we are born again, we receive by God's grace, amazing forgiveness. We receive then the Holy Spirit. We have it. We certainly are called to walk in the Spirit. But if your life still has holes and junk, it's not because you need a new spirit. That's what they were preaching. They're saying, you guys aren't really Christians. You don't, you, you're not living this victorious life. I remember being in college and having a few dear-hearted fraternity brothers that I love, that love me, that said, I really didn't get Christianity because I haven't been baptized in the Spirit. They looked at me and they said, you know what, Jeff, you're a Christian guy, but you, you don't speak in tongues and, and you, don't have, uh, you don't have any kind of miraculous stuff going on with the Spirit, so you, you, you really don't have it. I, I, I really felt I didn't. I mean, I was like, I remember just, just wrestling with that, thinking, man, I want it. What am I missing? Uh, Florida Southern College has a lake, Hollingsworth, around its campus. And I remember walking that, just praying, God, give me this spirit. Give me this spirit that others seem to have, the spirit of power, the spirit to do great things, the spirit to speak in different tongues. Give me the spirit. He never did. He never did. He just whispered in my ear and says, I've given you Jesus. And I have given you the Holy Spirit. You have it. You're not missing. Walk in, walk in my word. Imitate Jesus. Walk in the spirit. You see, what, the, what this world wants to tell you is you deserve the best life now. And if you're not getting it, you have to have get another Jesus. Is your Jesus working for you? And they'll say, okay, maybe your Jesus got to change or your spirit's got to change. Do you really get the spirit? Do you see what we're doing? We're, we're changing God to fit our needs. Can't do that. Maintain the purity of the gospel. What is the purity of the gospel? Please listen. The purity of the gospel is that God so loved a messed up, sin-soaked world that he so loved it that he would sin. He would send his only begotten son to come and rescue us. He would send the spotless lamb of God, his eternal son, to come and be one of us and, and to assume our junk so that we could assume his righteousness. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that through Jesus' life of righteousness, through his atoning horrible death on a cross through his resurrection he conquered death he paid the way for us to be forgiven he made us new creations in christ 
Jesus. He opened up paradise through Jesus Christ. And now by God's grace, through the work of God's Son, and faith in Him as our Savior, we now have life and life abundantly. And one day, my brothers and sisters, we will have the best life now. But when we see Him, when He comes back, until then, He'll give us life and life abundantly. But He'll give us the grace to make it home. The way we maintain the purity of the church is maintain the purity of the gospel. And the way we maintain the purity of the gospel is examine the purity of the preacher. That's the last thing. The pure motives and the pure heart of a preacher. You know, here's what was basically happening. It's hilarious. Paul was being criticized because he didn't charge the church for his preaching. Okay? Sounds like a good thing, a preacher. Now, now listen. It's okay for a church, for a preacher to make his living uh, uh, from preaching, okay? You all know that, right? I mean, Paul himself says that you shouldn't muzzle the ox, and I don't know why he uses an ox, and I don't know why I fit that so well, but that's another deal. I mean, but the reality is, is Paul felt led that he wasn't going to charge the church anything for his labors. Matter of fact, this fellow was going to make tents. He was going to make tents and do other things to not be a burden. Because listen, he so passionately wanted the church at Corinth to get it. And you know what they did? They said, this Paul guy, this character, this guy, this guy, this guy that makes tents, this weak man, physically not a great speaker, he must not be the real deal. Because who doesn't charge for preaching? You know? He must not be the real deal because it's free. And you know what happens when things are free? Guess what? You get what you pay for, right? We're having a free concert tonight. It's going to be great, Matthew. I know it'll be great. Indelible grace. We should charge you a hundred bucks because it's really going to be good. But some of you think that's a free concert. It can't be that good. That's what they were saying. It's a free preacher. He can't be that good. These other guys, these other guys roll in. They, 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 respect, they, they say, collect the cash here. Support the super apostles. <laughs> charge them to get in trouble. Don't charge him, you get in trouble. That's the church. And then they say, well, you don't charge us. You don't love us. You must not love us. You let those poor folks from Macedonia come and support your needs. You don't really love us. Are we pathetic? This is what we do as a church. He says, you know I love you. Next week, we're going to look at all the things that Paul had to endure for the church. I mean, it's amazing. Stone, shipwreck, beaten with rods, things that make me shudder. Paul, Paul, bore in his body the gospel. But he says, of all those things, it's the burden the church I carry. I get it. What a joy it is to know and love you. And what you want to do with every preacher, you flip on the TV. Some of you tell me who you're listening to, and sometimes I shudder. And I say, I'm not here to throw stones. I really am not. Examine all of them. For the peace and purity of the church, for the purity of the gospel, what are you hearing? Be very, very cautious to hear your best life now, okay? Be very, very cautious because the reality of what Christ has promised us now is amazing, but the best life is to come. And examine the reality of, of, of the preacher. What are his motives? I mean, what, what's, what's he up there doing? You know, preachers are messed up folks. We stand up here because we got ego problems usually. It's kind of funny, all right? Come on. But the reality is, 
You are the church. You are the church. You are loved. You are Christ. You are betrothed to Christ. And because you are betrothed to Christ, you keep yourself pure. Wait for him. Be in his word. Walk with him. But you're betrothed to Christ. The best is still yet to come. You don't, you dare change this good news of the gospel to meet your circumstances. Let your circumstances be changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't you dare with me change who Jesus is. He's the only begotten one. He is the same today, tomorrow, forever, yesterday. We don't change him. He changes us. Examine what you're hearing and may we be the beautiful bride of Christ. May we live the way he sees us. May we act the way he sees us in Christ Jesus for his glory. Amen. Let us pray. Father, the church at Corinth, (laughs) they were so susceptible to those super apostles preaching the best life now. Just like the rest of us, so susceptible because we want it all now. And if we don't get it, we want to change who you are and what you've promised. Forgive us, Father, forgive us. Father, I thank you that everything that we could ever want or need, we have found by your grace in your Son. We thank you that the life that reigns in us today, and we thank you that this is not the best life now. Thank you that there is more to come, that one day we will see Jesus face to face and we will be like him. And as we wait for that day, for your glory and the kingdom's sake, keep your bride pure by keeping the gospel pure and your preachers pure. For your glory we pray in Christ's name. Amen.